Yesterday when I pulled on campus and um, the rain and the rain, the rain, you know, and I thought, oh, Lord, seriously, (laughs) really, you have called us to this ministry and we've been able to do it and refine it and not really perfect it, but we get more efficient at it, you know, every year. And uh, Joe had this creative idea and this partnership with Coca-Cola set up and with University of Tennessee. And we thought, oh, Lord, you're going to redeem this. And he did. And he did, but the rain, right? The rain. And I'm trying to find a place to park, and I know it's going to be maybe six miles, you know, away from where I need to be. And uh, I could see that the university had wisely set up law enforcement officers. You know, there there were police, uh, UT police and security people, and I guess city police at different, different places. And I thought, wow, I really need to get over to start get into these to the tents you know that we that we had set up and i thought that's going to take a while because what i what i realized is after i stopped and talked to the first one then they say well you know you go go down here this is the best way we want you to go there's like four i thought i'm going to stop and talk to every one of them because they're all going to step out and think well you hadn't talked to me yet you know so holy spirit just spoke to my heart and 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 said dan if there's anybody in our town, at the university, in our country, that is weary and has been more discouraged than any other microcosm, any other little subculture group, it's got to be those guys, those men and women in those uniforms. And then this is part of why you are here today. So, uh, I just decided that that was, that was part of my mission. But I couldn't help students move in like we've traditionally done. I couldn't empathize with parents because I have been one and you're leaving, you know, your precious, precious baby, you know, here and, and you're, you're driving back to Nashville or to, to Memphis or North Carolina or Georgia or wherever and, and you think, wow, you know, so I, I couldn't do any of, any of those things. Uh, but I thought I can encourage people especially those men and women. Uh, so that's what I did. I thanked everyone. And then I just began to walk around and look for, for officers on campus and just say, hey, I just, I'm one of the volunteers with Calvary um, and just wanted you to know how much we appreciate you being here today. This is going so smoothly because of you and because of just God has just blessed us with putting you in our community and on our campus. And I thought that was just a small way. And um, one of the guys said, and he's standing there, and he's got a ball cap on, and, and water's just pouring off. I mean, he's just soaking wet. And he says, just liquid sunshine, brothers, just liquid sunshine. He said, but we would appreciate a prayer. And I said, you know, well, I, I, God has just so seldom in my life changed weather patterns for me you know have you ever gone on a camp out or it's like oh god for me could you change the entire weather what you're doing today because this would be a lot more convenient for me and what i've got planned and god just saw fit yesterday to say no you know what i'm just gonna let it rain on this campus i'm just gonna let it rain but this is where you guys shine and you did so i I just want to echo what's been said already by Bo and by joe Bo and joe Joe Bo, um, you know, to thank you for um, just your ministry and how well 
you love, the students and the faculty and the staff at the university. And they've got an unusual year, just like you high school guys. Um, my first grade grandson came in, and uh, he's kind of taken to his mask. He likes to wear his mask around now. And I think, you know, you can take it off. We're going to bed. And he's like, nah, I feel good. You know, I don't know if he's nervous around me. Um, but uh, just the whole protocol and what you have to do and, and getting up with the systems, and you guys are just rolling with it. So God bless you. And we don't pray just on this platform, but we're going to be praying for you every day. I promise you. We're going to be praying for you every day. And we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to get through this together. Um, I have uh, noticed, you know, shopping has changed. Everything's changed, right? School, campus changed. But going to the grocery store has changed. And at first, there was that window, you know, that time where you thought, do I wear a mask? Because not a lot of people are wearing masks. And now, do I look kind of geeky? Do I look like I'm scared? Do I look like... And then it changed, and now everybody's wearing a mask. And if you don't have a mask, oh, the judgment. You know, people look at you, and you just think, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm not breathing. I'm holding my breath. You know, and most places even require this now. So you have to, you have to show up and... Uh, some of the stores have aisles marked, and you go, it's like one-way streets, you know? It, it's like, oh, no, I skipped the peanut butter. i, I got to go all the way around the store, I think. I, and so my trick is I just sort of walk backwards and pretend, you know, and just pretend I'm going, I'm facing this way. I'm going back for the peanut butter, you know, and I go back this. So that's changed. But one of the things I've noticed when I'm shopping, if you notice how marketers have changed the way they put their products in front of you. You know, at one time, it was like, our product has this in it, and theirs don't. The other guys don't have this secret ingredient. You need to buy our stuff. Maybe that still happens, but even more than that, what I see is people, uh, companies, brag about what's not in the box. What's not in the tube or the jar? All the labels, the big labels now are no MSG. Oh, thank Lord. What is MSG? You know, no parabens. Oh, God, I didn't want any parabens. <laughs> so parabens. No sugars, no sulfates, no artificial colors. What is an artificial color? That's not really red. That's an artificial red. <laughs> I don't know. No artificial flavors. That's a little creepy. No, no um, phthalates. I looked all these up in Google and practiced pronouncing them because they're a lot like uh, the Old Testament Bible names. And then phthalate, you know, beget, you know, uh, paraben and paraben beget sulfate. Uh, no added salt. No added preservatives, no artificial sweeteners, no gluten. I had never heard of gluten until a few years ago, and all of a sudden, gluten is the devil, you know? And so you may not even know what some of those products are, but when you see that whatever it is you're buying doesn't have that item in it, market research says you're more likely uh, to say, yeah, yeah, no, 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 Tommy, Get that brand. No, that one's... We don't know what's in that. <laughs> I can't even read it. And you're more likely not to buy those products anymore. 
For example, I found this quote. This is a nutritionist, an anonymous, nameless nutritionist said this. Would you eat your favorite breakfast cereal if you knew that it contained butylated hydroxotulian? Heavens no. That's BHT, a product that's also used in jet fuel and in bombing fluid. <laughs> no kidding. Some of you had some this morning probably wouldn't want to do that. So the cereal box that screams, no BHT. <sighs> Marketers know you're going to relax a little bit and not buy their, you know, th- to buy their cereal and not their competitors, which is full of BHT. It's just loaded up with the BHT. And I think I've never heard of BHT. I have no clue what BHT is. I don't feel good about drinking jet fuel. I think that's probably a bad idea. I rethought the whole embalming fluid thing. I thought, that actually might do me some good. (laughs) I might could use a little embalming fluid. That might be kind of like testosterone or something. I don't know. But we have all these things we're trying to avoid. And in any event, there have been times, no doubt, that you have wondered, what is in my shampoo? Have you ever stood in the shower and read that and thought, oh, Lord, This is like a little laboratory going on right here. What's in your toothpaste? You may have looked at the list of unpronounceable chemicals on the tube of skin cream that you used this morning, wondering, what are all these chemicals? And what do they do? And why am I putting this on my face? If you're like most people, already today, You have dumped and rubbed and spritzed and drizzled or ingested a host of stuff. And you do it every day, never really knowing what is in the products that I'm using. And we don't know what's bad for us unless somebody tells us that's bad for you. I don't know what these things are. I'm not a scientist. And and these days, marketers are going with that. They are the ones to tell us Uh, What separates our product from the rest of the pack is we don't have fill-in-the-blank in in our product. So I challenge you this week, when you go to the grocery store and you go down the aisles, just notice this trend of no. There's no things. Uh, And and sometimes it's, it's written in another way. It's written like it's something free. You know, it's da 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 free of, of, of that, you know, that, that nasty chemical that was in it and you were so uninformed and you went through your whole childhood having that and now it's free of that. One of the ones I noticed and I just did this, I just went around my house and just looked and in the laundry room there was a product and it said fragrance free. So they, they worked hard at what, you know, what they used to do is we would add fragrance to make it, make it smell nice and they're like, oh no. We're taking the fragrances out. Some of you have allergies. There are more allergies in the world today than ever in the history and the civilization of the planet. Um, Everybody's allergic. Uh, And so they take that out. So it's fragrance-free. It just doesn't smell like anything. (laughs) It just smells like nothing. And that that helps people to think, I think I'm going to get that because I don't need that. I'm just going to keep beating this idea to death until you really get where I'm going here because when it comes to selling a product, 
uh, to an increasingly performed and savvy kind of consumer, it turns out that less is definitely more. Now, that's easy for us to comprehend. We get that. Now, I want you to take that principle, that idea, and just lift it up and ease it down into your spiritual life. Most of the time, I think I am just hammering away and preaching and teaching and wanting you to know the joy, the adventure, the truth, and the power of what it means to be in Christ. I find that so many Christians don't understand their true identity. They don't understand what God has done at your salvation. And we think we're still trying to work and to get to that. And we, we're trying legalism and we're trying religions and we're trying all these different things, trying to get somewhere. And God says, I've already given it to you. It's in the box. <laughs> You've already got it. That's who you are in Jesus. That's like his spiritual yes list. You know that God has a spiritual no list as well. When we look at the text that we have today uh, from Ephesians, and for those of you who haven't been here, whether you're online or whether you're in this room, uh, we've been going through a series uh, called Magnificent, you know, just the way that God has created us. Um, and, And looking at these scriptures today, Paul is marketing the benefits of life in Jesus and what it is to the members of the Ephesian church. And he's taken several chapters and said, yes, 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 this is what you've got in Christ. And today he's going to say, here's my no list. Now, if we think no is good sometimes, like a product doesn't have that, the idea is that there are some that your life, your spiritual life, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, is going to be better when you say no to some things. Let's read um, this little portion of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to begin in verse 8 and go through the 18th verse. It's just kind of sort of fits where we are. Here's what it says. Here's what Paul said. Um, For you were once darkness, not that anymore, but now you are light in the Lord. That's one of those yes things. You are light. You're not dark anymore. You're not in darkness. You're not under bondage anymore. He says you're, you're children of light. For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. So don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. It's even shameful just to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper. And rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. Pay careful attention, then, to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time. Redeeming the time. Buying the time back. Because the days are evil. So, don't be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. 
And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit. And then he says, as an indication of this filling of the Spirit, he, he says, here are some of these things that are going to happen. And we're going to begin to sing to each other. We're going to begin to sing to the Lord. And from our heart, we're going to be so full of gratitude. And he said, we're going to submit to one another in Christ. There's going to be this mutual submission in the, in the fellowship and in, in the body of Christ. All these beautiful things that begin to flow uh, out of this. So Paul begins... Uh, with the Ephesians saying, yes, yes, yes stuff. And then he promotes the healthy benefits of living in love as Jesus loved us. And he gave himself up for us. But he wants us to know even a little bit can hurt sometimes. Because I think the particular temptation that for, for many of us, particularly some of us veteran Christians, you know, or maybe you're a new Christian as we face is that suggest, well, just a little bit of that is not going to hurt you. Just a little bit of that is not going to hurt. If you're, if you're 90% faithful to the Lord, you're 90% faithful, and just 10% of the time you purposefully walk away, you know, that's really not so bad. Most of the time you're really a good Christian. Do any of you want to be in a relationship with somebody who's 90% faithful? No. <laughs> you want 100% faithfulness. And God says, I, it's for you. It's for you that I'm calling you out. Because sometimes a little bit, if I put just a little bit of something in your food, <laughs> and I'll say, mostly your food's 90% clean, but I put something, I'm not going to tell you what it is, in your food, but it's just a little bit. Eat up. You think, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Then why do we, why do, we do that spiritually? It doesn't make sense. And you know, we can't think, well, it's not a matter of these things being absolutely wrong. It's, it's more of they're wrong or they're harmful in terms of their dosage. If we just take too much of the no items, it could seriously ruin our spiritual health. But if we indulge in just a little bit, then we're okay. We're okay. Folks, that is such a malicious lie of the devil. If he can get you to be truthful 95% of the time, but 5% of your day tomorrow, you're going to be telling lies, he can work with that. This is all a lie of the devil. This is false advertising. Now, he's not calling us to retreat from the world. He wants us to blend in, but to shine in, in that blending. He doesn't want you to be weird or obnoxious or to be the person, you know, in, in your dorm or in your, in your class or, or at your job to go, man, she is, she is just a weirdo. You know, he is, that guy's kind of nuts, you know. He's, uh, I, I was reading this story about the, this guy who, they, there was a wedding and it was a very brief wedding and the couple was actually agnostic. Neither one of them really even believed. But the groom's brother, who was the best man, just so happened to be a born-again, fired-up, Holy Ghost Christian. So he walks down the aisle, takes the microphone, nobody knows what he's doing, and he preaches a 30-minute evangelical sermon 
I mean, it was turn or burn, you know. You are as lost as a ball in tall grass, and you're all going to hell. And you're going. And said the, the bride and groom didn't know what to do, so they just stood there, you know, and all the people were thinking, what? This is a way. So I know there's sometimes that it's a little more appropriate to do some things than others, but God wants you to stand firm and be who you are in Christ. Don't back off of your identity one inch. However... There's no retreat from the world. It's not that, that Christ followers are to retreat, to pull back and to, to move up into the mountains. As tempted as I am sometimes to do that, aren't you? You know, and just, you know, I, I've said you can find me one day in retirement when you go down to the islands and you look and you see this leathery skinned old man in cutoffs. You think, look at that guy, what's his story? And after a while, you realize, that's Dan. He's just living down here in that little hut. Oh, yeah. I know we can't do that. He says, no, live as children of light on the campus, on your job, in your neighborhood, in the grocery stores, wherever you are. One of my favorite authors is A.W. Tozer. And he said this, the filling of the Holy Spirit brings a sharp separation between the believer and the world. You will be distinct without even having to talk about yourself, without even having to proclaim it. There will be something about your life that's not the same. Paul's next little paragraph is based on a couple of assumptions. First is that he says that, that Christians, that, that we are people who are uh, Sophoi, you know, we, we are people who are wise. We, we're smart people. We're not fools. And secondly, that this Christian wisdom that's been imparted into us, it's not just intellectual, it's, it's practical wisdom. And it teaches us how to behave. You know, when I began walking with Christ and, and I, I went to a college campus about a year after I began to, to know Jesus. So I was about 20 years old and I'm on a Christian university campus. And I told somebody the other day, I said, I'm still kind of rough around the edges. And I, I get that. I understand that. But I was even more so then. And I, I just remember being around all these Christians thinking, what? You know, I didn't know how to act. I didn't know what words. I began to pick up on the lingo. Bless you. That's what they say. They like saying that to each other. You know, we would say things. You know, and I, I began to kind of morph into it. But there's a lot that I, I didn't understand. And I thought, can I just mimic other Christians? And that's not the way. That's not the way. No, he says, I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to plant it inside you like a seed. And it's going to grow up. And you're going to know how to behave because my spirit in your spirit. So throughout this letter uh, and in other places in the New Testament, he says, I'm going to show you how to walk. Because that's a Hebrew concept. Everybody, all these listeners and the readers of this, they thought, okay, we understand when you talk about walking. Our Christian walk is our behavior, our conduct. And he said, I'm just going to write this, that you no longer walk according to the world the flesh, and the devil. But you'd be led by your spirit. So he adds this, this general exhortation to us. He said, I want you to behave like the wise people that I know you are. And he says, I, I credit you with that. 
He said, but look carefully to how you walk. Don't be careless. Have you ever been walking, I know you have, and looking at your cell phone or ever seen somebody do this? I would never do this because I'm wise and I'm smart and I always pay attention, but I've heard of people stepping off curbs, walking into things, bumping into stuff, you know, I mean, because you're not paying attention. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. Everything we do requires care. We take thought over things that matter to us. Some of you, you are so good at your job. And you have learned everything there is about it. And you're the go-to person in your office or uh, in your, you know, your plant or the factory because they know you know. Some of you with your education, you're going to do so well this semester. And you're going to really try to get this right. And you're going to make good marks because you care. And so it's worth investing in that. For some of you, with your home, with your family and the relationships of people, you're going to be constantly investing in that. Some of you, with your hobbies, some of you have spent more money on fishing gear. You have more golf clubs that your wife doesn't even know about. She just sees them all sticking up out of those bags. She doesn't know what you paid for that putter. I don't even want to talk about the driver. I mean, you've got all this stuff that you invest in and you take time with. Your dress and your appearance. We kind of joked a little bit yesterday that uh, for the first time on campus, everybody's just showing up and we're all in masks. Now, a lot of guys really don't care. They're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Here's what it look like with the mask. Here's what it look like without it. Not a lot, you know. But I noticed, I don't want to sound sexist, but I noticed that some of the ladies thought, all I've got going for me today is my eyes. They have made me cover up my pretty face and all I've got is eyes. How can I flirt with just eyes? But I saw you doing it. And everybody went all Taylor Swift. I mean, everybody. I, mean, I just saw all these girls with eyelashes and I thought, you go girl. You're working it and you're making it happen. All I need is eyes. One girl just had one eye, just right there, and she was working that eye. No, I just made that up. But that's what we do. That's what we do with our appearance. Some of you this morning, you fussed and you, you primped and you did everything to get your hair just right and to get everything to pick out what clothes, to, you know, all of that. We, we take so much care. What Paul is saying is that as Christians take thought, put at least that much energy into your Christian life. Treat it like it's a serious thing because it is. It is. Be most careful, then he says, how you conduct yourselves. Because you're the sens sensible people. You're not the simpletons. He says, be careful. Okay, I got really fascinated with this. Now, m most weeks, uh, in fact, every week, every day of my life, I'm reading scripture and I'm getting into the language. I think it's one of the few things I think, okay, I spent three years <laughs> learning this and spent a lot of money. I ought to make use of it. So it's one of the, one of the tools that I've kept, uh, I start to say years, really decades later. I'm not very good at it. I'm not pretending to be a scholar. Uh, people who really know biblical languages would say, this guy's faking it. And, and, I, and, I, and I am. But, it, but it's interesting to me. 
and I try to consider it. And every week, that's what pulls out some of this meaning for me on some of these original words. There is a word that shows up in this text today that just absolutely sent a revival in my heart. And really, the Holy Spirit used this to guide me in my walk, in, in, the, way, in the way that I live. It's just a little word, and it's almost a funny-sounding word to our ears. It's blepo. He says, be careful. And what that word means is to look at something closely, to mentally discern something and to observe it, to consider it or to contemplate on it, to perceive something with your eyes. You know, sometimes you just look at something and you're studying it. You know those, uh, th- those little puzzles like in the doctor's office and it said, this picture has 13 things different than this picture. And so you sit and you think, oh, that one's got a bird. Look at that bird right there in the tree. You know, and you, and you circle that. Paul says, live your life like that. Live your life like that. Have your eye on it so much that you become aware of. The word implies this voluntary action where I'm going to take notice of the things around me. I'm not just going to let it float through my mind or through my eyes or through my ears. It's written in a tense called the present imperative, which is very similar to our English tense. And it commands one, first of all, and then it commands one to continually be paying attention to how you walk. Be constantly taking heed about how accurately you are conducting yourself. They're building a house in our neighborhood. It'll be the last house. It was the last open lot. And it's just a couple of doors down from where I live. And the lot was just barely big enough to put this house on. Now, our, our neighborhood is a very fancy neighborhood. It's a very, very elite, exclusive neighborhood. And the houses have to be giant. They just have to be huge. Each house is like a castle. Uh, so there's a minimum footage requirement of the, the homes. And we looked at them. They began to lay this house out. And we thought, they're not going to be... That, that house is... It was about the size of a condo or a townhouse. And we thought, how are they going to do that? It looks like it's going to be a beautiful little spot. But they went up. <laughs> they just... We thought, oh, here's how they're going to do it. They're going to go three stories straight up. And that's exactly what they did. It looked kind of like a European house. If you've ever been to, to Ireland and England, you know, they just squeeze these houses and go up. That's what they did. My grandsons love to go in that house because they're just building it. And you can go up the first flight because they've put stairs. You can go up now to the second. You can't get to the third because there's no stairs. But you know what it's like to be a grandfather and to have a four-year-old and a six-year-old up on a building like that? And there are no walls? I'm watching them every minute. And I'm just constantly going, "Ah, come, come back, come back here. You know, I'm an adventuresome grandfather, and I want to be in their memory of the guy who just let them get away with everything, you know. So there are times I go, yeah, you'll be fine, you know. One one, one of the boys, the oldest one, was up on the second level, and he said, Dandy, can I jump from here? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I said, if I were you, I would try to not land on that pile of lumber, and I would try to not land in the concrete. That dirt spot looks about your softest place, and you're probably going to get away with only a broken leg or ankle. I suggest you jump there, but the answer is yes. He rethought it, (laughs) 
and decide to come down. But I don't let them get as close to the edge as possible. I don't say, boys, you're four feet away from the edge. You can get a little closer. Why don't you step out to the edge and hang your... Now, their mother thinks that's what I'm going to do. She thinks I'm just wild, but uh, I don't let them do that. Why do you do that in your spiritual life? Why do you see just how close to the edge can I get before I stumble or lose my balance and fall into sin? Why do we do that? No, Holy Spirit says, pull back. (laughs) Pull back. Be careful. That's what this word means. The only way to continually be on guard is to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Ephesians 5.18 says. Who is continually, he says, at work. And the word for at work is energo. It's a word we get energy. He's just energized within you constantly, giving you this supernatural power to be able to walk. So what I'm going to do is just bump through some places in the New Testament where this exact same word is used but it's translated a little differently to be able to fit that moment. But it all means the same thing. And this is our instruction, and this is my final teaching uh, for us today. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Jesus used the word blepo in in a similar sense in contemplating in in order to beware. Jesus answered and said to them, see to it, blepo, present imperative, that no one misleads you. You see, you can't go into sin and you can't go into religious legalism. He goes, that's really not going to get you where anyway. He says, don't follow those guys and don't, don't follow this way. Stay with Holy Spirit. Jesus answered and said to them in, in Matthew 24, verse 4 and 5, See to it, blepo, present imperative, that no one misleads you. And then it says in Mark eight fifteen, He was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware, blepo, present imperative, of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He said, You don't want to go that way. And in his teaching in Mark twelve thirty eight, He says, Beware of the scribes. Present imperative, the the most religious people in town. He said, watch out for those guys who like to walk around in their long, fancy robes. And like they like these respectful greetings in the marketplace. They're in it for the spiritual pride. He said, they're just, that's not. Paul uses this word in Colossians 2.8. He says, see to it, blepo, present imperative, that no one takes you captive through philosophy empty deception according to the tradition of men according to the elementary principles of the world he said none of that just go according to Christ just stay with Jesus even John one of my favorite writers because he's so affectionate and intimate in the way he writes he warns believers he said watch blepo present imperative yourselves that you might not lose what we've accomplished that you might receive a full reward in 2 John 1 8 in Hebrews, and I don't know who wrote Hebrews. I'm almost convinced that it wasn't Paul. Just a little, little, but I don't know who did write it. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 3, verse 12 says, Take care, take care, blepo, present imperative. Brethren, lest there should be in any one of us, any one of you, an evil 
or an unbelieving heart and you fall away from the living God. Watch out. This week, as you get started back in classes, as you get back to your job, as your life continues to unfold, as we deal with this pandemic and all the other things that we're facing, be careful. Watch. Pay attention how you're living and how you walk. Now, if you're a health-conscious shopper, and more and more of us are, when you're in Kroger or Walmart or Publix or Trader Joe's, you probably read the labels of all the things you buy. I've even started doing that. Paul is saying, apply that same wisdom that you do in the grocery store to the way you walk in Christ. Stop to look at what you're allowing into your life, what's flowing out of your life, and see, is that leading me into a deeper, more beautiful relationship with Jesus? Or is it gradually pushing me? Most of us don't take big jumps. We take baby steps and we drift. Are you drifting in the wrong direction, away, away from him. I hope this is a great week for you, and I'm excited about all the potential that you have in Jesus.